Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the enterprise editor at the Times. Joining the podcast today is Jackie Banaszynski. Jackie is here in St. Petersburg, Florida this week as a faculty fellow for the Pointer Institute, and she graciously agreed to join us even after a week of teaching. Uh, there was no strong arming involved. Um, Jackie, as many of you probably know, is a goddess. She's a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, a former AME of the Seattle Times, and a longtime professor at the Missouri School of Journalism. She also lectures around the world. Last year, she took on a new role. Today's topic, Neiman Storyboard. So for the uninitiated, the Neiman Storyboard. What is the Neiman Storyboard? Hey, Maria. Hey, Lane. Nice to be here. Neiman Storyboard is, um, let me see, how do I say this and not be boring? The Neiman Foundation is probably the oldest, maybe original kind of journalism support foundation in the United States. It's been around for a little over 100 years. No, 80 years. 80 years. Celebrated its 80th birthday. Yeah, 80th yeah. birthday last year. And um, they have three publications um, as part of the Neiman Foundation. Neiman Reports is for their fellows. Their big project is to bring in 24 fellows from the United States and overseas every year for a residential fellowship. And they put together a big quarterly thought issue magazine, primarily for the fellows. I used to get it as a faculty member. They do Neiman Lab, which is this very robust daily news site that covers all things digital and business. Started up when the digital tsunami hit, and it's incredibly good and successful. And then there's Storyboard. And Storyboard's the third branch of um, their publication outlets, and it started with the Neiman Narrative Conferences. You used to go there, Lane. We Way used back to run in it. The day. Yeah, yeah. So there was that whole group of people in the '80s and '90s who fell in love with that kind of writing, and the Neiman those were great conferences. Yep, the Neiman amazing. Foundation would host, along with the Pointer Institute and some other support, the Neiman Narrative Conference, and. Some of the people who were at Neiman at the time and were part of this world started 10 years ago what was called the Neiman Narrative Digest. And it was just a little newsletter. Um, and it was sort of – do you remember writer L? Yes. John Franklin's John writer L. Yeah. Yep. A listserv years ago when listservs were barely starting and people would get on and they'd kind of share ideas and share stories and tear them apart. And it was like so low-tech and so great. Neiman Narrative Digest was sort of – an up grown up version of that, and then that became Neiman Storyboard. So we have a um, we have a website where we archive all the material, post two, three, four times a day, or I mean a week, um, often focusing on 
interviews with authors. You've been featured on it several times. Um, we'll do essays on craft, just a range of things. And the mission is to explore the art and craft of narrative nonfiction, of really good storytelling. And then we do a weekly newsletter, which captures everything. And I do a little riff in the weekly newsletter. We've got about, I think, 10 or 12,000 people around the world. It's got a real good international following who get the newsletter. Um, and then we do the usual social media stuff. So it's sort of a, it's kind of a teaching site, you know, if, if, to be perfectly honest, the search function's not great. Um, but if you know what you're looking for, you can find all kinds of great material. It's a community where people who kind of believe in that sort of journalism gather um, and can, you know, find stuff, share stuff, send stuff, and say, I'd like to know more about this. So that's what it is. And it's, a, it's an archive. How do you decide what you're going to focus on? Or is it you got you, you got to <laughs> run it? You got to have a lot of different people sort of um, <coughs> thinking about different topics and... Yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of a challenge because um, until real recently, we didn't pay anything. It was all you know, it was all people who just did this as a pay back or pay forward to the industry. It was a fun challenge. So you're always um, asking for favors, reaching out to people and saying, "Hey, would you be willing to write about this?" I can't read everything, and I read a lot. Um, so I hope people, you know, I, I follow social media where people are posting stories. I hope people send me ideas. If I see something I think is really good, I reach out to some. But I know I'm missing things. So if anybody's listening out there and you see something good, let me know. Can you send uh, submissions? You, pardon? You, you collect submissions? For oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I take pictures, pictures, pictures. Because I, I don't want to be writing for the site. I want others to be doing that. So the ideal story is if one journalist or student or maybe a journalism professor or a writer of another stripe is interested in a story that, let's say, you do, they write about it or they interview you. You have a conversation. They do an analysis. They do an annotation of the story, whatever. Um, and then I play editor. I do end up writing once in a while, but my big focus of the writing for me is the, is the, um, the newsletter every week, which is sort of my little hi-howdy to we can my peeps. A, a link on our website to get the yeah. newsletter? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and people can subscribe. It's free. It's all free. Complete free resource. NeimanStoryboard.org. We'll put a link on the podcast. And Neiman is N-I-E-M-A-N. Yep. Um, so why'd you do this? You, you, don't, you don't have time for this. Why'd you do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, why did I do this? I have been following it since it started. It's been really important in my life. I you went from the tra trajectory of Ryder L to I everything? Went I went from the trajectory of Ryder L um, when I was writing in my own career, reporting and writing, there was very little like this out there. And then when mm -hmm. I became an editor, it was kind of like I was looking for anything that, you know, yeah. could help me figure out how to help other people. Um, and I used to go to the NEMA narrative conferences all the time to present, to, to be on panels, whatever. And so I've been a reader and a follower of Neiman Storyboard since it was the Narrative Digest. And I've contributed over the years. Um, and so it's always been part of my life. And so when... The former editor took a different job, um, and I was just segueing out of Missouri, out of my full-time teaching job. They happened to call. The timing was right, and they said, do you want to do this? And I said, well, that's a good way to not just sit at home in my Barco lounger in retirement and, like, watch Law & Order reruns all the time. <laughs> it keeps me plugged in. <laughs> so it's, it's been good. It's a fun pond to play in. That was always one of the biggest honors for me if one of my stories got picked up by yeah, Newman Storyboard yeah, because yeah. I, I loved 
being able to dissect it with someone who got it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, feedback from readers and editors is awesome, but inside right. baseball, you know, right. how did you think of this? Right. Do this. It was, it was such a great honor. For the well, word nerds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and that's what's been interesting because, of course, I did general, you know, general newspaper journalism all my life, and I was always thinking about that big, broad audience. This is insider stuff. So when I talk to people who want to contribute or write, I'm like, remember that you're writing for other journalists. Right. Which means you need to ju- you can just dive in and be casual and comfortable and conversational and just go for craft. You don't have to explain the entire world to people, and you can uh, go deep. Yes, go, yes, go deep. and you can ask the questions that we're all wondering about when we're sitting there reading these pieces and going, "How did they do that?" Yeah, because uh, I think a lot, some of the ones that my, of mine are not the more mainstream stories. They've been the kind of the ones like, "Oh, I'm going to shoot outside the box yeah. here and see what yeah. happens," and yeah. then Neiman's goes, "Oh, why that, did you do this?" That was interesting, that? Yeah. right? Yeah, so it's fun. It's fun. Um, what's, so there've been, what's the reaction been? Do you feel like people, do you get a lot? Do you hear a lot of the back and forth or you just, no, unfortunately, um, it's not a two way conversation. No, and it could be, um, because (laughs) there is a little, you can comment at the bottom of the posts. Um, I don't think people sit and wait for the posts to show up on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm -hmm. I think most of them get to the posts through social media or through the weekly newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would love to have kind of a conversation community, but that's a lot to manage. Yeah. And this is only a part-time contract um, job. You know, I don't have a staff. So I get personal emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's a lot of shares, a lot of pass-alongs, but there's not a lot of commentary. And I think it's just because people absorb it and they don't feel they need to... I don't know why. I, I'm, I'm baffled by that, frankly. Maybe it's just that there wasn't a history of that, mm-hmm. so people aren't used to using it that way. I guess, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's replaced the conference. I mean, right? Because there's still a Boston University conference, which sort of took the place of Neiman, right? Yeah. Um, there, was a, there was, a I think, a complete gap for a couple of years. Yeah. And then the BU, Boston University, started a conference. And the first couple of years, it didn't feel like the Neiman Narrative Conference. It was more book authors, professors, things like that. The last two years, it's gotten back to the feel of the Neiman Narrative Conference uh, out at Boston mostly University. Mostly journalists or? Yeah. 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 Mostly journalists. Magazine, book. But, you know, this year's lineup was everybody from Eli Saslow, um, Kate Boo was there, Jill Lepore. Mm-hmm. So they're still bringing in the big dogs, but they also have, you know, they had a team from Minnesota Public Radio that did this phenomenal podcast um, called 74 Seconds. And that's how they covered the trial of um, uh, Castile. What was his first? The, the, the black kid who was shot by the yeah, cops yeah. in St. Paul. They, they did a really interesting podcast called 74 Seconds, which was the amount of time that the body cam on the cops was on from the time they pulled over Castile's car to the time the cops started shooting. Um, and they were there as a team saying, here's how we did this podcast. Here's why we did it this way. So it has more of that feel again. And the other place that's kind of like that now is the Mayborn Conference mm-hmm. in Texas in the summer. Yeah. Um, so, But, you know, what's missing is the original Neiman Narita Conference, the Big Dog Conference, and then all of those – Remember the national national writers' workshops yeah. that roamed around the country? There were like nine of them at yeah. one time. Those regional. Were, they were fantastic. Those. I miss yeah. those too because I think it gave people an opportunity to go, a lot more people an opportunity right, right. to go. They were close. They were inexpensive. Um, right. And they were about storytelling. I yes. mean, a lot of the yeah. conferences yeah. I've been to lately have been about digitization and yeah. social media. Yeah. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Media and, right. you know, not right. about the craft of right. telling narrative stories. Right, right, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's just been another, um, that's been another fallout of the contraction in the news industry because the host news town... Um, for the for the narrative um, national writers workshops would have to pick up any money that wasn't made, so mm. they'd have to underwrite it. You know, right. ten twenty thousand, and at the time, that was no big deal. But now you ask an, a publisher, well, if we're short twenty thousand, right, and they're like, whoa, no, 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 no. Um, so um, it's it's too bad, but you know, people find each other. So you do you do teaching in Romania a lot. Um, I Lane and I have been to Norway, and and Lane's very popular in Norway. You've been to Denmark. Here's a shout out to all our Norwegian <laughs> listeners, but um, there is there does seem to be a lot of international appetite about, around craft and storytelling. What's what's been your? I mean, how do you feel that? How do you see that? What, what do you? What do you? You know, it's so interesting because when I first started doing this stuff and first started teaching, it never occurred to me that narrative, nonfiction, the way we do it, especially in the news world. I'm not talking about books. Mm-hmm. Um, or film, documentary, was almost strictly an American thing. Right. It did not exist overseas. Yeah. It's just picking up. It's just places. starting, and they're still uncertain about it. Um, a lot of them just don't quite get it. Some countries are still hostile to it. Tom French and I were together one time in France doing um, a narrative workshop. That was interesting. Um, the French were just not having it. <laughs> They were not having it. They were like, th- no. They were like, well, the it, news goes up here. Well, no, it was more like they thought it was kind of lowbrow journalism. Really? Because it wasn't it, serious uh, investigative. Well, and, and the French the French press, and I'm sure it's changing a little bit, but the French press is kind of part of the intellectual power elite. And they, oh. they fancy themselves, not fancy, that's the wrong word. They see their role and their mission as being part of that level of discussion and thought and seriousness. And then you come along with, you know, a fun story about a barber, um, and they're like, why are you doing that? It's not um, important enough. Right, right. And it doesn't But even feed. for serious storytelling? I mean, even for a serious subject, it still feels lowbrow? Well, they were very interested in what we had to say, but they weren't, they weren't hugging us yeah. about it. Um, <laughs> I think in Romania, it's, um, it's only there because Christian Lupsha, who was one of our students at Missouri and went back home, he's Romanian, went back home and called up and he said, there's nothing here. And he fell in love with this kind of work. Yeah. And so together, I, you know, we sort of helped him figure out how to start his own world there and his own movement. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist there. Yeah. It's, it's because of this one guy who has this passion for it and this vision. Denmark, it's because they have a great journalism uh, education system, and that's now spreading towards the rest of um, the Scandinavian countries. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other places, it's still, it just doesn't seem to kind of track. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in Norway, it seemed like a lot of the reporters were on board, but they were having trouble convincing the editors. That's kind of what my takeaway from that. Was. I wish that happens in America yeah, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I was in Am- everywhere yeah. you go. But, I yeah. was in Amsterdam one time, and they were doing because they do an annual conference, and um, they had some of us in to do two days on narrative, and they desperately wanted to get the editors there, and it was like pulling teeth. And so they had one session in which the editors were going to come. So we had two and a half days with the reporters and then one session where the editors came. And the editors sat in front of the room with their arms folded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did one for them and only like six showed up. Yeah, yeah, the other ones yeah, had, you yeah. know, 30 people You know, it, it's just not part of the culture. And, you know, you would, South America, Central America, you know that culture really well, Maria. But there it's so interesting because fiction, narrative, and what do they call it, fan. Fantasy, it's yeah. fantastic yeah, something. It's all, it's all intertwined. It's all of a weave, right? Yeah. So they don't need necessarily to do it in their journalism, journalism because mm-hmm. it's just there as part of their storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, in China, it's hard because um, the 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 whole notion of privacy in China, where there is no privacy, is so, they're so protected and they're afraid to speak out and tell these personal stories. It's just not part of the culture. I think that's one of the issues in countries like France is. They don't talk about money in France. Um, I was in Singapore one time doing workshops, and they were horrified that we would actually talk and ask about religion because they don't talk about that there. Mm. It's just not part of their culture. And when you do these stories like we do, you're going into the, you know, the the in, most intimate corners of people's lives. And yeah. some cultures, you know, we're, we're Oprah land, and <laughs> the rest of the world not so much. <laughs> You remember the, the Norwegians were really appalled that I would like ask to sort of embed in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Like they would they, they go in their bedroom. Yeah, can I go in mm-hmm. your bedroom? Oh, we would never, ever, ever right. ask that. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. So uh, I'm sitting here. I'm struck by the fact that when we all started in this business, probably we, we never anticipated uh, preaching the gospel and, and doing it around the world. I mean, like, um, no, but it feels more important than ever in a way. I've, I presume this is why you're still doing it. I know this is why we keep teaching, too. It sort of feels like you got to keep this, keep beating the drum. Well, and it feels kind of like a new wave. Like, it, I don't yeah. think it's a, a, a coincidence that right as traditional newspaper journalism was collapsing, this other new form was emerging. And it's like, yeah. what can we do as writers, newspaper writers, that is not being done with the the twenty four hour news cycle, right? right. It's a, it's a way to yeah. break out of Kinda that. Can like, re-emer- it's reemerged a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you know, reinvent. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting, Lane, because I don't know if I don't know if this kind of work is going to find a really good foothold back in what I think of as newspapers, um, news sites that used to be newspapers, because they're so circled around investigative. But what I do see is investigative journalists wanting to learn how to do narrative so people will right. be gripped by their Absolutely. story. And the stuff that's being done online with narrative is astonishing. It's so good. Medium is doing some great work. Um, you know, long reads every week, which scours and stuff, but now they're starting to commission their own work. So it's rising up. I don't know if newspapers can afford this luxury again. And what's been lost in newspapers are the editors who know how to teach it and edit it or the other kind of senior staffers who do this kind of work who can model it that's just it's just not the emphasis i see it rising up in other places i don't know how i feel about newspapers doing it um i I don't know where my hope my hope level is there is kind of on the you know it's sort of teetering but it's true that you 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 see a lot more investigative work where Mm -hmm. you know we've gotten away from the model of the tampa bay times has found Mm -hmm. yada yada yada. bullet 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 bullet, 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 bullet. bullet, bullet. um right 
the investigation editor and I have a friendly jab back and forth <laughs> about bullets. <laughs> yeah, I said yeah. I haven't used bullets since the last millennium. <laughs> and, um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I think that's so for whoever the audience is, and I I think one of the reasons I keep pushing Lane on this podcast <laughs> is because I feel people are hungry for that. I, oh, they are. You know, they I are. feel like they're not getting that in a lot of places, and. And, you know, we just came off a week where we're talking to, we, we just finished this summit over a pointer and everyone is like, they don't talk craft. They don't have time to, or they don't, they don't create a right. community and then they don't, they're not sure there is a community, where to mm-hmm. find it. And mm-hmm. then, um, well, it feels like the industry as a whole has just become so much more reactionary now. Yeah. You know, I yeah. feel like we used to be able to look forward and plan and vet things and decide like, okay, what should we try? And now it's kind of like, oh, shoot, we have to catch this and that and the other. And well, like, when you're doing this 24-7 with the newsroom, that's one-third the size it used to be. Right. That It's pretty hard to chase what's not in front of you, right? Because you have to take time to go and... Um, scour and explore and plant some seeds and see what grows, you can't just go and find. If the story's not in front of you um, automatically. Um, I think the other issue is that, what was the story you were talking about today, um, Maria, when we were you were showing people at the end the sort of how to build a good culture, and you mentioned the story, I believe it was one of your stories, Lane, that you said now has like um, 100,000 Downloads? Oh, no, that was, um, so Leonora LaPeter, Anton, oh, who's okay. also on the Enterprise team. Right, right. Um, Blood and Truth. Yes. Which is, but we did we did, we did did this the story in print, and we also did a podcast. The podcast has really engaged people, I think even hmm. more so than the story in print did. I mean, it, it and I was saying, I was telling people, like, it's got great listener traffic in Botswana, um, where <laughs> apparently capital punishment is a thing, and they hang people. So the Botswanans are, you know, but what a cool world, right? What a cool world yeah, that yeah, something yeah. we can produce here yeah. can connect to people around the world. Right. But if you look at so many newsrooms, like, just in love with metrics these days, right? And these kinds of stories don't necessarily immediately draw the big metrics. And they do it over time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or they do it in ways engagement. that... They do yeah. draw engagement, but and, yes. And they do it in ways you can't necessarily measure. So I have this whole... I, I'm going to tattoo this or get it cross-stitched or something. You cannot... There are no metrics that measure the impact on the human heart. Mm-hmm. There are none. So if all we do in some newsrooms is watch Chartbeat and worry about metrics, then these kinds of stories really have a hard fight in front of them because there's no direct cause and effect between a story like this and readership. Um, I think these stories find a way to kind of get into people's mm-hmm. souls and hearts and DNA and transform them a little bit, but I don't know that it necessarily becomes clicks. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't know. I'm, I'm well, not smart about metrics, and I have kind of bad attitudes about them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of the ones of ours that get the most clicks are like repurposed of something else anyway. It's not even original content a mm-hmm. lot of times. Sometimes, if you're just looking yeah. at click on, click on, click. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But the, now that we can measure engagement, that's pretty cool because yeah, you can say our average engagement is, you know, 48 seconds while someone spent 14 minutes on this story. Like mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, I'm going to say amen to what Jackie just said. Um, okay. On that note, uh, if you have a question for Lane about any of her stories or would like to suggest a podcast topic, if you have a question for Jackie, we'll track her down for you, too. So please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Monica Herndon. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.